Welcome to the latest edition of the Carmichael Governance Podcast. I'm Dermot O'Carbui, CEO of Carmichael. Carmichael is a charity that provides supports to other Irish charities, particularly in the area of governance. You can find details of what we do and a wide range of free resources on our website at carmichaelireland.ie. You can also find previous editions of our governance podcast on our website or on your favourite podcast platform, be that SoundCloud, Apple, Spotify, Acast. And I'm delighted to have for my guest on this podcast, Liz Hughes. And I know Liz Hughes mainly from a previous role. When we did a previous podcast, Liz, when you were Chief Executive of the Charities Institute, but I brought you along mainly in connection with your new role. It's on the topic of equality, diversity and inclusion. You might just tell me a bit about the new role you have in, in Wright College of Surgeons. Great. Well, good to see you again, Dermot. And as you say, I joined the Royal College of Surgeons as Head of Equality, Diversity and Inclusion just over a year ago. And actually, I think my experience in Charities Institute Ireland was an important part of me securing that role because if you think about it, the world of charities is all about equality, diversity and inclusion. And I think I really honed my experience and expertise in CII and I was able to bring that to the Royal College of Surgeons. I suppose it's a role that is integral to RCSI's strategy and the university is committed to embedding a culture of equality, diversity and inclusion in everything that we do. So we work with staff and we work with students across all the equality grounds. We have a number of forums and networks looking at things like race equality, disability, ending sexual violence, supporting survivors and promoting consent, which is a big, big area for the university sector. And then looking at things like, you know, course gender, age, multiculturalism, etc., EDI and you know it's 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 something that has suddenly cropped up um, in its importance. And you said that well, the charity sector was always about equality. The diversity and inclusion is is also makes sense. But for you, what does EDI mean in terms of from, from if you were uh, if somebody on the street asked you and said, Liz, you're you're involved in equality, diversity, and inclusion. What's that? Right. Well, I'll break it down into into the three kind of components. So equality is all about dignity and respect. And it's about ensuring that every individual has the opportunity to make the most of their lives and talents. And we believe that no one should have a poor life chance because of where they were born or who they are, what they believe, whether they have a disability, you know, their background. It doesn't matter. Diversity is about differences and those differences are seen and unseen. So it represents a broad range of experiences, whether that's gender, sex, socioeconomic background, religion, education, etc. And then if we look at inclusion, inclusion is about creating an environment where people feel that they're valued, that they feel respected and that they're able to achieve their full potential. And a diversity and inclusion expert called Verna Myers is often quoted in relation to diversity and inclusion. And I think it's it's a nice way to sum things up and to explain it. So diversity is being asked to the party. Inclusion is being asked to dance. So while embracing diversity is very important, how do we create that really inclusive culture where everybody feels like they belong? And, you know, thinking of some of our listeners, why is it important that every organisation should address this this area of um, equality, diversity, inclusion uh, and have it as a core part of their, their organisation? Well, I suppose that the first thing to say is that um, it's specifically enshrined in the in the constitution, so it's a legal requirement. Uh, so that's always a, a good motivator. But like as I said, equality is in the constitution, 
And an example of equality uh, legislation is the Equal Status Acts from 2000 to 2018. And Minister O'Gorman is actually in the middle of reviewing the acts and possibly extending the socioeconomic, uh, the, the grounds, uh, the equality grounds to include socioeconomic. But at the moment, the equality grounds are as follows. So it's age, disability, family status, gender, marital status, membership of the traveller community, race, religion. And as I said, hopefully socioeconomic status will be added to that list. And these equality grounds protect individuals from certain kinds of discrimination, harassment and sexual harassment. And I can just talk through some of the key pieces of legislation if that might be helpful. So some of the pieces of legislation which will be of particular interest to the audience, and they'll be very familiar with these already, be the Employment Equality Acts of 1998 to 2015. And that promotes and mandates for equal work opportunities, for example, when going for work, when applying for a job or going for a promotion or getting equal pay. Then the Equal Status Acts that I referred to just there now promotes and mandates for equal treatment when accessing goods, services, facilities and accommodation. So, for example, when using public services, looking for housing, getting the bus, going to school or college or even going to the pub. And then these acts prohibit discrimination on specific grounds. So generally discrimination occurs when one person is treated less favourably than another in a comparable situation. And, And because they differ under any of the equality grounds we've just discussed. And then looking at areas specific areas like the disability act so that goes dates back to 2005 so in relation to that act it's talking about a substantial restriction in the capacity of a person to carry uh, on a profession business or occupation in the state this is very much a definition and were to participate in social or cultural life in the state by reason of an enduring physical sensory mental health or intellectual impairment but supporting, it's, you know, it's not all about the legislation. It's really about doing the right thing. And it's about creating a society that is fair and just and full of tolerance and respect. I'm thinking that it's just, just looking back some of the, the dates of that legislation. Some of that legislation goes back quite, uh, quite some time. How does Ireland compare for actually making equality, diversity, inclusion a, a reality in everybody's lives? Is there, is there a ranking table or, you know, are, are we good, bad or indifferent? I suppose it really depends on the equality ground that, that you're talking about. And as you say, like the whole area of equality, diversity and inclusion has become much more... I suppose it's become a much greater area of focus, which is brilliant. And there's been a lot of studies about why EDI is good for your organisation. And lots of studies have shown that groups of people that come from a diverse range of backgrounds perform better, make better decisions and experience more success. But in relation to how Ireland performs internationally... You know, you look at areas like marriage equality in 2015, like that was, you know, that was something that we were all very, very proud of. And it was a first internationally. We look at gender recognition um, and the Gender Recognition Act uh, came into place in in 2015. And we're certainly ahead of some of our closest neighbours in relation to that. Yes, and I'd forgotten that because it was just my daughter was sort of, you know, talking about the situation in Scotland. And she said all they're doing is putting in what we've already in place here in Ireland. Because I thought they were doing something radical. And I said, no, that's all they're doing is, and and then they're running foul to it, Westminster. But um, yeah, no, it is. Sometimes we forget that we we have been quite progressive in certain areas. Definitely. um, But then if you look at other areas like childcare, 
you know, so when we're looking at gender equality and having greater participation of women in the, in the workplace, one of the biggest barriers to enabling that is childcare. We don't have the places and it's really, really expensive. And I know that the government is making some progress towards that. But if you look at caring responsibilities generally, it's women who predominantly fulfil those functions and it's women who are predominantly unpaid. So that's still a huge, huge issue. And if you look at you know, the people who are volunteering in many of the organisations that you work with, a lot of them will be women and they'll be mothers and and parents and they'll have older caring responsibilities as well. So there's still, you know, a long road to travel. And I was looking at, um, because obviously RCSI, we're a medical university and, you know, we're looking at healthcare issues. And one of the, I suppose, one of the things that stood out for me you know, doing a little bit of reading in the last kind of month or two is that transgender healthcare in Ireland is, is you know, we're one of the worst performers in, in the European context. You know, we've made, I think we've made a bit of progress in relation to race and ethnicity, but I think a lot of people think that Ireland isn't racist and, you know, we've seen lots of examples where, unfortunately, Ireland is very racist and we have to look closer to home and the racism that ex- is experienced by the traveller community. So that's still an issue. Um, disability, you know, I mentioned that review of the acts that Minister O'Gorman is undertaking at the moment and hopefully disability will have a much higher prominence when that review actually takes place. But an awful lot more needs to be done to support people with disabilities and to support the people who care that care for them and that uh, that review will will see it more on socioeconomic status so like you look at davos which is happening at the moment and you know there's been an awful lot of commentary and martin turner had a great cartoon in the irish times kind of going the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer and uh, you know the quip was is that kind of a mission statement so you know that is worrying going back specifically to the non profit sector. We said at the beginning we have a lot of purpose-based organisations, so equality, those sort of issues are quite strong. But in the wider context, how good are we as a sector in terms of putting the policies you're talking about, the policies that you're involved in, in implementing in um, RSCI? You know, if you look at any any policy or any change in, in how we do business, I think it's always a challenge for the not-for-profit sector because of the way that charities are structured and the way the charities are funded and resourced so bringing in a new function like equality diversity and inclusion is always going to be a challenge but I think it's a great opportunity as well because if you look at you know if you look at the the mission statements and the values of so many charities equality diversity and inclusion is embedded into what they're about if you look at the you know the nine equality grounds those minority groups are specifically mentioned in that charities want to protect, to serve, to support and to make those minority groups' lives better um, so that they can fulfil their, their full potential. So I think there's there's a great opportunity um, for charities and, and there's some, you know, there are some charities and doing a little bit of research for the podcast, you know, the likes of Jigsaw have a great uh, equality, diversity and inclusion policy on their website Trocra are doing an awful lot of work in this area, the Abbey Theatre, and you know you want to 
um, as this is it's an ever-changing and a reasonably new area it's important to educate yourself on what other people are doing so the likes of the Department of Justice have a really nice quality diversity and inclusion policy and strategy on the website and that's available for everybody to have a look at I think it is about resourcing the, the function properly but always remembering that so many of the values and missions are already aligned to EDI so it's not too far of a stretch I think and then the other thing that I think is worth noting is that, and this is an issue across across society when we do talk about quality, diversity and inclusion, and there are certain expectations that those with the lived experiences, so if you are a person of colour, if you're a member of the traveller community, if you're an older person, if you have a disability, it's up to you to educate uh, everybody else. But in reality, we all need to be allies. So it's up to us. To, to educate ourselves and kind of go, well, what can I do? How can I help bring that person along? How can I create an environment where the workplace is really welcoming for women or people with disabilities, um, etc.? So we all have a role to play. It's not just it's not just somebody else's problem. And on that particular note, education is so important, Dermot, in ensuring that everybody has an opportunity to learn about these new areas. So RCSI, for example, has worked with organisations like DRCC, TENI, LGBT Ireland, Age Action, Women's Aid and As I Am. And they have been fantastic, all charities, and have been a huge resource in terms of the development of our education programme. And I know that Carmichael is actually running a specific course on EDI. So, um, and I'm sure you'll be running an awful lot more, hopefully on the back of this podcast. Absolutely. And it is one that we put on our schedule and we've been repeating it. And it is one that, you know, we have one coming up on in March, but it's one that we will put on on a, on a regular basis because we think it's a very important area for people to become more aware of but hopefully then once you become aware of it, to take action and, and, and make those changes so yeah I would agree exactly. education is always very very important and I was looking just looking at our own organization here in Carmichael and you know looking at this whole concept um, and, and I thought we would do very very well you know given our intent yeah. and, and, and the problem was a lot of the areas it's we have good intentions we don't have practical sort of things in place so that's what sort of leads me to the next question what are the key building blocks for putting a, you know, a robust and comprehensive EDI strategy into a, a non-profit organisation? What sort of things, where, where do you start? And, 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 I, and I, I was taking note of the, the examples of, of um, the, the organisations you mentioned there, Jigsaw and the Department of Justice, and I think that's always a good look at what others have developed and then see how it might apply to you. But if you were in as a consultant into, say, a Carmichael and say, we want to develop an EDI strategy, where would you tell us we'd need to start? Well, the first thing I do is kind of go, well, why? Why do you want to develop an EDI strategy? Is it because everyone else is doing it? Or are you actually committed to transforming your organisation? And I think, you know, you've said that you're committed to it. And that's probably the most, you know, one of the most important things in that you have that leadership from the top. Because, you know, you do, you do see examples where, you know, a number of things happen across society and sometimes you wonder is, are people paying lip service to it or are they actually do they actually believe in the premise of embedding a culture of equality diversity and inclusion across our organizations so i would say start from the top and make sure that the leadership team um, and the senior management team are fully committed to equality diversity and inclusion then it is about staff consultation and engagement because you know you need to know what are the issues 
in the organization so not just for service users but you know for employees so how does Carmichael facilitate flexible working for example and and hybrid working to make sure that people have the opportunity to have a better work-life balance are you actively recruiting people from minority groups are you checking your bias we're all biased and you know there's low there's so many courses and and free materials available on bias on cultural competency etc but I think it's it's really kind of getting to the crux of what drives and motivates the team what's really really important to them you'll have lots of people with lived experiences and I as I said earlier you, you know you're talking about disabilities seen and unseen you don't know what somebody's lived experience is so I think you have to be mindful you have to be really really respectful and you also don't know what somebody's situa- situation is at home. Are they caring for an elderly parent? Uh, do they have a, a child with disabilities, etc.? So it's talking to your staff and kind of go, well, what would make a difference for our organisation? The other thing is looking at data. So nothing, uh, I suppose nothing inspires a senior management team like having uh, good data and metrics. So it's understanding the diversity profile of your organisation. Um, do people feel like they're made welcome? So if you're looking at, you know, maybe employee satisfaction surveys, are you adding a question in about like how welcome do you do you feel in the organisation? Do you feel like you belong? Do you feel the organisation is you know diverse enough? And I was talking to a friend of mine a couple of months ago, and they would have a brilliant EDI policy and would have committed an awful lot of resource and focus to developing a policy across a number of different areas. And I remember she was talking about their Christmas party, and there were a group of I think their ethnicity was. Chinese they were sitting in a corner and my friend went over and said are you having a good time and you know like you know happy Christmas or whatever you know conscious or happy holidays conscious that not everybody celebrates Christmas but she discovered that actually they weren't having the best time because they didn't drink alcohol for religious reasons they were also vegetarian so there was nothing that they could eat or nothing that they could drink so are you thinking about those things and making sure that you know while you might have the most diverse uh, workplace are you actually making it inclusive are you taking everybody into account so I think uh, some of those things, just, you know, just, just thinking a little bit more and being, yeah, being a little bit more thoughtful. Well, I think one of the things with COVID and, and the, ch- the turmoil it created in terms of work patterns, it, it has created more opportunities to do things and to try things and see things work and it doesn't yeah. always have to be the same. And I do take the point about data and metrics because going back, look, self-reflecting in here, you know, it was only when I started looking at some of the data and I said, well, we're not as diverse as we should be with all the sort of intention when you you know our workforce isn't very diverse it has diversity but it's you know in 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 the wider sense um and i think only that will come by looking at the data but also setting targets and say well how do we want to change it and what's the pathways it's recognizing it will take some time it isn't sort of because you know you you, we're not massive recruiters but you know we just need to be conscious of it And, and i do take the thing about bias as well and that's how do you overcome that what do you see as the biggest challenges for organizations is okay they may have great they've developed the edi policy they've gone around and they've looked at you know the best in class ones like you mentioned jigsaw and the department of justice uh, um, and the abbey theater as examples of good ones um, that people can use as a starting point you've developed your strategy and a lot of times and i know from 
looking at strategy. Implementation is the crux. You can have brilliant strategies, yeah. but the real difference is going to make is how that is implemented. Yeah. So what, from your experience, are some of those challenges to be conscious of when you are implementing the strategy? Um, like It goes back to leadership, uh, ownership, and you might have a, the, the most beautiful strategy or policy in, in the world, but you know how is that actually being embedded into into the organisation? So, in RCSI's case, um, we have an action plan. Where I suppose we work, as you know, in the higher education area, and there is a charter called Athena Swan, which um, originated as a way in addressing serious gender inequality in higher education and that's evolved to look at areas beyond gender but it was really about you know looking at the leadership and the senior positions in academia and it was so male dominated and you know there was a big problem in relation to a number of issues and that had to be addressed so that's a great structure for higher education institutes to work to so we have that action plan but we also have action plans related to specific areas like uh, race and ethnicity and like disability. So you have your action plan, you meet up regularly, you give ownership to people to kind of go, okay, well, you know, can you look at our recruitment practices? You know, who do we have? How are we recruiting people? Are we just using the same channels to, to, to recruit people? Because it's well known that, you know, we, we gravitate towards people who are like us. Um, so we have to break that that cycle and kind of go, well, actually, somebody completely different will bring a different dimension and different experience and, you know, a whole new way of thinking to our team. Um, so, you know, looking at recruitment practices, looking at your panels, looking at your policies. So there's there's lots of policies that, you know, we've introduced. And, and again, that's that can be challenging for the not-for-profit sector because... Developing policies takes time and and resource, but you know there's lots of I suppose there's lots of tools out there that that can enable you to to do that. So it could be an everything from you know one example was that, that we introduced was a gender identity and expression policy. So we included introduced that in 2018, and the most recent example of a new policy that RCSI introduced was the domestic violence and abuse leave policy. So that was introduced in. November 2022 but you know like there's lots of um, like there are lots of different organizations where you can check out uh, the the types of policies that you you might like to introduce but then it's you know how are we tracking behavior that isn't that doesn't align with our values how are we how are we training and educating our people this is I suppose the big thing that I would say about equality diversity and inclusion and I mentioned it earlier is that it's an area that's changing constantly and it's it's hard to keep up and you can't know everything but you know one thing that I've certainly found is that by talking in 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 my specific case by talking to students they know so much more about this area and they are brilliant for sharing their experiences and sharing their thoughts Um, and because RCSI is an international university you know we have expertise and uh, students from all across the world. All that experience can be brought to bear which which, which is fantastic. Um, Looking at and listening to you there about you know the importance of having data but having action plans I was interested in sort of what what's the role of the board or the board equivalent in in, in your organisation? How involved are active are they in in the implementation of, of your 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 EDI strategy? So I report directly into the CEO, Professor Cahill Kelly. So uh, very very involved, and um, you know looking at our 
our most recent strategy, it's very much, you know, embedded into into our strategic plan and we have a specific action associated with with EDI. So it's it's across everything that we do and I think that's really, really important to to have that I suppose to have that ownership and that leadership because if it's not if it's not measured it's it's not going to get done. So I have um I have a tracker that I have to report into into the senior management team every quarter or sometimes if there's a specific initiative a little bit more often because things come up um that you need to address and, and deal with quickly. So having having the support and guidance of the senior management team is so important because you're dealing with so many different uh, stakeholders so you have your staff on one side and then you have your students on the other and the solution for staff might be quite different to the solution for students yeah, so yeah, and I think that's an important thing about listening throughout the organization so it's not just talking to yourselves or to um, people that you, your cohorts that may, may be similar thinking from yourself it's getting that broader experience and, and lived experience from people and getting get to hear that i'm just thinking you know some people may be well advanced on on their journey and uh, in, in terms of Im- implementing edi but say for some organizations that haven't anything specific in place you know that you know that wrapped around because the, there'll be lots of policies that I have in place but yeah. but wearing under that banner of EDI and they said well we, we just need to sort of to have a clear focus and strategy on it what would be your advice of where, where to start what would what, you know if they said three things you need to do this year so by the end of the year that you would be well advanced on that journey so what, what would be your advice to them I think don't try to do everything because as I mentioned that there are nine equality grounds, but and hopefully every organization will have a specific action associated with each of those equality grounds and know where where they want to go. But there might be, you know, depending on the organization that you are, there might be kind of three areas that you really want to focus on and you want to do a great job. And, you know, using that experience you can you can influence, you know, other areas perhaps in twenty twenty four. So don't don't try to do too much too quickly and, and you know, you, you won't have any impact at all. The, the other thing, and this is kind of a little bit of a, a bugbear for me, but you have an event like Pride, which is brilliant. And it's it's a mainstream celebration now, which is wonderful. And the LGBTI plus community, their, you know, their passion and, and their involvement in RCSI, for example, we have a Pride Network and a, and a Pride Society. They are so positive in creating that positive culture of inclusion but I would you know sometimes you'd wonder what organizations do for the other 11 months of the year you know you can't you you need to look much broader and you need to do things it needs to be kind of a constant focus on on EDI I think you know starting again starting off what would you do that that whole consultation piece is really really important so what do your your team want what what areas of focus are most important to them and you might have brilliant experts among your team that are only too happy to to be involved so I think that's really important because you have those I suppose role models you have those um, people with lived experiences and and it's identifying it's identifying those um, so they're probably a couple of the things that I'd get cracking with first. Very good advice as well, because sometimes you try and conquer the world yeah. and you get dis- disillusioned because it's so big. But I think you say pick on the most most important or the, mo- the most important for your organisation to develop and use that as a um, to get the momentum be- behind it. Liz, this has been fantastic. Um, I've learned an awful lot and it's been very, very helpful for me personally because this is something that I recognise 
it's a probably a blind spot um, that a lot of owners we think we're okay, but when you when you start looking at the data and say, oh, you're not as good as you think, um, and intention isn't enough, you know, you have to see action, and you, as you say, you need to put that as. In, it needs to be intrinsic in the culture of the organisation so this has been wonderful so thank you for sharing your insights on equality, diversion and inclusion with me today Thank you very much Dermot Thank you for listening to our latest Carmichael Governance Podcast We hope you enjoyed it If you did, it would be of great benefit to us if you could give it a rating as that helps to create greater awareness of these podcasts So until the next time Slán go fall. <laughs>